Heather Mangilio. And I'm Wyatt Massey. And this is Frederick and Cut. Over the last couple of years, the Boy Scouts of America program has changed to allow female troops uh, into the program. So we thought it'd be good to sort of talk about these changes since starting in February, these all-female troops could start forming under Scouts BSA. So we spoke with one of the local leaders of an all-female troop, as well as the district commissioner for Scouts BSA, and invited them into the podcast studio to talk a little bit about this addition of female troops to Boy Scouts. And they also spoke about some of the opportunities that are afforded to these local girls who are joining these all-female troops. So I think it's best if we just jump in the conversation. Absolutely. Let's do it. Um, I guess I guess to start, could each of you sort of introduce yourself and talk about your involvement with Scouts? All right. Uh, my name is Monica Robbins, and I've been involved uh, with the Boy Scouts since my son joined as a Tiger in 2011. He joined PAC 287. And um, I served there as committee chair, which is basically the person who organizes the logistics and administrative side of the program. Um, and then um, he's been involved with PAC 268 and PAC 18, or I'm sorry, Troop 268 and Troop 1812. Um, and I've gone camping and gotten trained through there. And then as soon as uh, Boy Scouts of America decided to let girls into the program, um, I knew that I wanted to start up a troop for girls. My daughter is 11 and I knew she would love it. So I wanted to make sure she had an opportunity here. And I'm Jeff Geyer. I'm the district commissioner for Francis Scott Key District, and and uh, been involved in scouting uh, for about the past 12 years. Uh, with my started out with my grandson in, in Cub Scouts, and um, my job is to primarily provide the units like Monica's um, advice, counseling, mentoring on how to run a a great scouting program. Okay. And could you talk a little bit about the shift that happened over the last couple of years and what it looks like now? Um, well, it wasn't so much a shift as an addition. So there have been uh, girls in the Boy Scouting program for years. Um, so Boy Scouts of America is an umbrella organization that covers the Cub Scouts, um, the program that used to be called Boy Scouts, now it's called Scouts BSA, um, Venturing, Exploring, and Sea Scouts. And um, there have been girls in exploring, venturing, and Sea Scouts for years. And there have been female leaders um, involved since the 80s, I think. 1988. Yeah. yeah. So having females around the Boy Scouts is not a new thing. What they've done, um, so Cub Scouts and uh, Boy Scouts used to be, they were the only two of the five that were all male. Um, and so they've just expanded, um, allowing females into those two programs. And so for the females that do decide to join, um, what do they come in as? Are they automatically scouts, or do they come in as Cub Scouts? Well, they can join at any time. So the nice thing about um, the Boy Scouts of America is that you can join, um, the youngest age you can join is kindergarten, and um, girls can join at that age. They can also join at 17 if they want. Um, if you want to be in, and actually you can join, you can be a member up to age 21 in the Exploring and Venturing and Sea Scouting program. So when they come in, um, if you're in Cub Scouts, it just depends on your age. Um, if you're joining as um, a Scout BSA, if you're 11 to 17, then everybody just starts as a no rank. And that's um, females, males, everything. And you have to learn some skills in some of our culture to be the first rank, which is called Scout. And with scouting, what are some of the opportunities that children, male or female, get to do through the program? Well, uh, they the, the new females in the program get to do anything and everything that their male counterparts get to, and, and that can include high 
activity adventures for the the older scouts uh, such as um, you know hiking in wilderness areas uh, rock climbing um, high high power rifle shooting uh, the younger scouts uh, they also get to do everything their male counterparts get to do such as um, uh, learning wilderness survival skills and going to camps uh, summer camps and learning how to swim and and how to uh, shoot bows and arrows and and make certain um, crafts mm -hmm. so and I understand you were camping this weekend uh, yeah. <laughs> scouting <laughs> it was so we have um our troop is a uh, troop 3017 and we were formed on february 1st which was the first day um that that the program was launched and uh we took them camping on march 1st in the freezing rain that was our first camping trip and we had um a fantastic time um, i was a little worried because it was some of the girls first camping experience but they um they just rose to the challenge and, and had a great time with it and so this weekend, I was a district camporee, and that's a big event that's held for um, all the troops in Frederick County, which is the which is our district, is Francis Scott Key District. And so um, it was exposure um, for the whole county. So a lot of them, it was their first time being, um, you know, seeing a girl troop and, and doing activities with them. And it was fantastic. We had 16 girls camp. Um, the camporee theme was wilderness survival. So um, we had several build their own shelters and sleep out. Um, it was great. Yeah. It was a it was a great weekend and and uh, we even had a program for the last year of uh, Cub Scouts, uh, the Weebelows program, and and focused on uh, survival skills, castaways, what it was called. Hmm. It was a great uh, great weekend. Yeah. And Monica, for your troop, uh, with it just getting started, could you sort of describe the number of of girls you have involved, and then how did you sort of recruit them to be part of your your troop? Yeah, so um, we have, let's see here, we started out, um, I guess they made this announcement about a year and a half ago, and so I started thinking of people that I knew, especially siblings of Boy Scouts that you see around pack meetings and troop meetings who um, have expressed an interest in doing the same kinds of activities that the boys are doing, uh, but just didn't have the opportunity. So um, I started out by asking them if they would be interested, and I compiled this list of of girls that I knew would be excited about the program, and I just started inviting them. Um, and then they they started telling their friends about it, and most of the girls that we have, um, of the 23 in our troop, are about, I'm gonna say 18 or 19, are sisters of current Boy Scouts. And their, their parents have been involved, so they were familiar with the program, and they've been watching their brothers go out and camping and coming back with all these cool experiences and thinking for years, this is something that I wanna do, and it's something, um, so they were excited. They knew what they were getting into, and they were excited and ready to jump in on day one. All right. And um, so with the, uh, with the girls who get to do it, what are some of the skills that they're getting to learn because now they have this opportunity? Right. So um, the nice thing about Boy Scouts is that it has um, – there are a range of things that they learn. Um, there are 135 merit badges um, that cover things like um, their career paths, like medicine and dentistry and law. There are skills that are life skills, like personal management and fitness and first aid. Um, and then there are some that, are, that introduce them to hobbies, like kayaking and, and rifle shooting and archery and leather work. Um, so one of the things that's really cool about this program is that you can really decide. There are 13 merit badges that you need to earn your Eagle um, rank, if that's something that you're interested in. But other than that, there are you know 105 others that you can really tailor to your own interests or 
things that you um, want to pursue or explore. Um, so they can really learn anything. They can learn anything. We've had girls, um, I mean, we've been around for all of two months, and we've had scouts earn fish and wildlife management. We had six earn their rifle merit badge. Um, they've earned scholarship. We had several earn wilderness survival this weekend. Um, so they're just pursuing. They're just following. They've, uh, this whole world is opened up to them now, so they're just, they're just running with it. They've signed up for summer camp and signed up for, I think we have 40 different merit badges that they've chosen. And for a badge, what does it take to earn one? Well, they uh, have a certain set of requirements, and each each merit badge is different. Um, and you have to earn all of the or complete all of those requirements. Uh, some of them are optional, or you have a choice. But um, it's it usually entails a um, you know, couple days worth of of effort to mm. complete. A, a merit badge. Some of them take longer, some of them are shorter, uh, depending on, on the merit badge. Sure. And J- Jeff, from a sort of administrative point with this addition of, of female scouts to the organization, does it change your work at all? No, not really. Um, you know, regardless of if the unit is male or female, um, it's our job as commissioners to provide that unit the the same level and quality support that that we pro- would provide any unit. So it's been an, a special pleasure working with Monica's uh, uh, troop as, as she started it up. Um, it uh, took very little effort. She took the ball and ran with it and, and did an outstanding job. Okay. And in... in in terms of Frederick County, how many all-female fe- all troops do we have in the scouts? Right now, there are two official um, Monica's and uh, a Troop 1191 up in Mount Airy. We have two more that are pushing their paperwork through right now. So they will, they will activate here shortly. And then we have two more that uh, will activate later this year. Okay. So when this decision first came out, did you see a lot of interest from like young females who wanted to join scouting right away? Absolutely, yes. And so, yes, we did. <laughs> I think there were um, there was a huge a huge number of girls who were looking for an opportunity like this to do a little bit more um, outdoor skills, survival um, things that are a little more challenging. Yeah. And what does it take to become a scout? absolutely nothing. It takes an interest, um, some enthusiasm. You don't have to have any skills at all. So when you join, um, like I said, we've had girls that had never camped before at all. And um, those first, so there are seven ranks and the first four ranks are all basically learning what you need to do to camp. Um, It starts out with fire safety and knife safety, um, learning leave no trace principles. So you can come in as green as green can be and still, you know, learn what you need to do. Yeah. You just need a handbook. All right. And so I know that these this is a separate program from the Girl Scouts, but I was just hoping that you might just be able to touch on that a little bit about how these are two separate programs. All right. So the Girl Scouts um, run a, a fantastic program. They are part of a different – so globally there are two scouting organizations. Jeff, can you – do you know? Pretty much, yeah. They um, – you know, we, we're different organizations, and um, we have completely different programs. And um, they have outstanding programs in Girl Scouts of America, 
as uh, we think we do in, in Boy Scouts of America. Yeah, but they're just different. They're, it's the same yeah. as choosing to play the trumpet over the saxophone. I mean, one yeah. isn't better than the other. They're just different. They appeal to yep. different kind of girls. And as a matter of fact, most of our girls are dual registered. So um, of our 23, I think 16 or 17 are actively engaged in the Girl Scouts as well. So talk about commitment in terms of, especially for those girls that are dual registered, you know, how often do you meet and what kind of requirements do they have to be able to stay in a troop? Um, Well, um, the nice thing about Boy Scouts is you don't really have to make any particular events. If you make, so we meet once a week, we meet um, weekly and then we camp out at least once a month and then there are other activities like day activities or adventure activities. Um, But if you can't make the troop meetings for a season if you're playing soccer or if you have other commitments, that's okay. It just means that you're, you might advance more slowly than your peers. Um, so for example, my daughter plays soccer and she has practice on Thursday nights when we meet. So she doesn't make any troop meetings at all, except for in the winter and the summer. So she is on the slow, she's in the slow lane. It'll take her a lot of years to advance. And then we have girls that are, that their number one activity is Scouts BSA and they'll advance much more quickly. So in terms of um, the girls that are registered in both, they can choose. I mean, if we have something going on that's appealing to them, they can come with Troop 3017. And if their Girl Scout troop is doing something that same weekend, they could go with them as well. And in terms of the ages in the group, are they mostly all the same age? Or do you, can you be in a troop if you're 11 and someone else is 15? Absolutely. So our, all the troops are mixed age. Um, you can be as young as 10 if you've gone through the Cub Scout program and earned your arrow of light. Um, If you haven't gone through the Cub Scout program, you need to be 11. And you can join all the way up until, I mean, the day before your 18th birthday, technically. And we do have a scout in our troop who is 17. And then we've got 10-year-olds. And for the different troops with the the all-male and the all-female, when they interact, how does it benefit both groups to sort of have that interaction between between troops? Well, I think that uh, the, the, especially um, with the new female, Troops, it it is almost essential that um, that they have some interaction with with the male troops. Uh, they have the experience; they've been there a while, and I know Monica's been working closely with Troop 2017, and uh, they've afforded her a, a great deal of support and and education in in how to run a troop and put on a good program. So I have to ask, is there some friendly competition between the all-boys and all-girls <laughs> troops? <laughs> yes, there is. Yeah. <laughs> and as a matter of fact, this weekend when we were camping, um, I had to uh, remind the girls that we are not competing <laughs> because they do. I think they have, um, you know, there's a tendency to want to prove themselves, and they've got kind of the mentality now of, you know, anything you can do, we can do too. Oh, I'll just leave that at two. Um, <laughs> but they... You know, I just wanted to remind them, just do what you need to do. You're not competing with anybody. Just focus on your on your work. I can tell you, they hold their own. <laughs> they do <laughs> all right. Yeah. And for you, Monica, as, as someone who was not afforded these opportunities when you were younger, um, what is it like knowing that young women have these opportunities to learn the same skills as their male counterparts or be able to take part in some survival skills that they may not have been able to learn before? Well, I think um, I think it's wonderful. Anything that creates adults that are self-sufficient and um, you know can take care of themselves and others in an emergency, um, anything that's creating, that's helping to create a generation of better citizens, um, p- 
people who are self-sufficient, people who are self-motivated, um, whether they're male or female, I think is a benefit to society as a whole. I think it's wonderful that the opportunity is opened up because um, really the things that Boy Scouts teach is not gender specific at all. It's basically teaching people how to be uh, better humans, better leaders, um, people with integrity, and that's, um, that's genderless. So I think it's an, it's an honor. I love being part of this first group of girls. And for girls who are listening to this program um, or read Wyatt's story, how can they get involved in scouting? Uh, well, there's a website called beascout.org um, that will tell you all the troops, all the units in Frederick County. All you do is you put in, if you go to beascout.org, put in your zip code. It'll give you a list of every troop within 50 miles if you want it to. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a notation that will let you know whether it's a, a male troop, a girl troop. Um, and then you just send an email and you can come and visit. There's no pressure. Um, just come visit, see how the troop does things. And that goes for uh, boys, girls, leaders. We have lots of people who are interested in Boy Scouting. And, and I'll tell you, if you go to a troop and it's not a fit, go check out another one. There are lots of troops. They all have their own flavor and way of doing things. Um, so, you know. And with that, are there any residency requirements? Like, can you be a Mount Airy troop if you live in Frederick? Oh, yeah. You, you can go any, any place you want. And um, uh, you can even go out of the, the, the district or, or council. Uh, it's all up to the scout. And, and it's important what Monica was saying about finding a unit that you fit in. And because, as she said, they're, they're all different. They all have different personalities, and, and uh, it's important f to find the one that fits your personality. Yeah. All right, and since we had talked about badges earlier, it seems that you guys have some badges on. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what you're wearing in terms of the badges? Or your, or your favorite badge. Oh, or your favorite badge. <laughs> well, I, I couldn't pick just one. <laughs> but, um, you know, the, we... Um, the Boy Scouts do. It's, it's easy to look at your uniform and kind of tell a little bit about um, where you come from. The, the patch on my shoulder is the council patch, and that just lets people know where our troop is located. Um, and we're part of the National Capital Area Council. Um, the next one is my troop, my troop patch, which lets people know where I am. The red bar underneath says that we are, um, I'm a founder, so I joined this unit in the first year that it was in existence. And that one is one that I'm pretty proud of. Um, other than that, I've got a a district award of merit, which is for work that I've done at the district, and uh, the one that says that I am trained, so you can trust me to lead your, your child in a manner that's safe. Yeah. And Jeff has a lot more. Jeff is, is well-decorated. <laughs> He's been around out. a while. <laughs> yeah. well, they give you these if you hang around enough. Um, <laughs> I think my favorite is this one right here, uh, which is the uh, Tiger Cub, or, yeah, Tiger uh, Cub Den Leader award i think that was my favorite time in scouting was spending time with those first graders um, mm. which at the time was the youngest program cub scouting had now they've got one that goes down to the kindergarten level uh, called the uh, lions program all right all right well thank you both very much for spending the afternoon with us yeah thank yeah. you very much um, for having thank us you. thank you so wyatt you also talked to a young scout who had just bridged into the troop, correct? Yeah, so in the, the article that was published this weekend, I spoke with Aliana 
George Valenzuela, um, who is 11 years old, and she recently sort of bridged into the the scout troop that Monica leads. And I was talking to her a little bit about what this new opportunity means for her. She was very excited to to learn about the outdoors and earn some of these badges um, that you heard Monica and Jeff talking about. And I think the one quote uh, from her that really stands out is uh, the the quote that she had was, "Now girls are starting to become equal, and that's good." It's something that years ago, nobody would be able to experience, but now we can. And I think that was really telling just sort of about her excitement, as well as the the doors that are opening for these young ladies in Frederick County and across the nation through this scouts program. And just explain to me, what does it mean to bridge into a troop? So when people who are in scouts move from Cub Scouts, uh, which is sort of restricted by age and, and grade, you move into the more adult or older youth program uh, which is the the general scouts program. So the quote unquote bridging is quite a literal sort of ceremony where they walk across a bridge into their new troop um, and, and the troop that they will be with for the rest of their time in scouts. To read more about the all-female scouting troop, check out fredericknewspost.com. All right, before we leave you all this week, we of course want to speak to our head features writer, Kate Masters. I'm our only features writer, but hello, Wyatt. Thank you for having me. You're the, the head of the features. <laughs> and uh, Kate, so this week, what can our readers expect in 72 hours? Okay. Well, this week, um, when you look at the cover, you will probably see a beautiful graphic rendering by our own Caitlin Amasor, sort of a movie screen, which is representative of a new effort to bring... Um, a, a, a new business called Warehouse Cinemas to the Fredericktown Mall site. Now, I am not from Frederick, um, but I've spoken to lots of people who are. And Fredericktown Mall, um, as you might know, is on Route 40. And it used to be kind of this beacon, beacon glistening center of f- the Frederick economy. And then it closed down. Um, it kind of shuttered for good in the early 2000s after a decision was made to not renew um, tenant leases. And so it's kind of sat vacant for a while. Um you know, it's sort of one of the signs of the atrophy or the atrophying, yep, that's the word, um, malls of America. And so the site is pretty beat up now, and there's an effort to bring this uh, new cinema um, from a group in Hagerstown that's going to be state-of-the-art. They actually just petitioned um, to have a law passed through the Maryland General Assembly that will allow theaters in Frederick to serve beer. So that's a big part of their business model. They want to be sort of cool and hip and bring this warehouse feel and have beer on top, tap, and fast casual food and this whole sort of state-of-the-art cinema experience, which they think is the future of the industry. And the whole deal with this theater company is it's kind of being heralded as a potential savior of the Fredericktown Mall site. Um, But in the article, I kind of delve a little bit into the complications of that. Um, Because if you kind of consider it, it's one investment in the site that's just sat vacant, you know, for for well over a decade. And when you look at malls across the country that have been revitalized, it's usually the source of this huge investment. Um, There's a mall in Springfield where I think total there's going to be a billion dollars worth of development there to sort of bring them all back to what it was and make it a mixed-use space. And so I think that there is a question where there's a lot of truck being put into warehouse cinemas, um, making the Fredericktown Mall a, a destination again. But I don't know for sure if that's going to be the one thing that's going to save this property. Yeah, especially just a movie theater alone sort of saving an entire area. Well, right. Like if you have one theater in a corner of a mall that otherwise is not well maintained, you know, and there's a facade improvements and parking lot improvements in one area, but there's nothing else bringing you down there. It's got to be like a very, very um, sort of 
transcendent experience to bring that amount of um, you know new business. And I think that there is a question of whether or not it's going to accomplish that. And is this a movie theater like I might go to an AMC or a Regal Cinemas, or is it more of a specialty movie theater? It's definitely um, a, a sort of a regular movie theater. They plan to have first release films, and there's not even a strong emphasis on like indie theater, for example. So it's sort of the idea is that um, what you're paying for is the experience. So obviously, you know, they have the plan of having leather reclining seats and again, sort of um, updated and um, fancier food and beverage options and they actually one thing that they were very excited about um this high rock group which um is the owner of the theater is that they've partnered with samsung to bring a new uh, they're calling it an onyx led screen and it's sort of going to be their premium movie going experience in the same way you might pay a little bit extra for an imax ticket the screen um you know, it's not a projector model, so it has blacker blacks and whiter white and is kind of a better picture. So you're paying for that better viewing experience. Um, and it's one of sort of the, the cornerstones that, of the business that they're really highlighting. And you mentioned that the cinema is going to be serving beer as well? Yes. So um, as of right now, the, this is a law that has passed through um, the Maryland House and the Maryland Senate. It's pretty much as good as done. Um, Governor Hogan won't veto it. That's according to our own <laughs> political reporter, Samantha Hogan. So, I mean, it's pretty much going to pass into law at this point, it's safe to say. And then um, it'll establish a new type of license because Frederick did not otherwise have a licensing procedure for theaters that wanted to be able to serve alcohol. But, you know, I spoke with Rich Dottridge, who's the CEO of High Rock and is the one bringing the theater. And I think he's right that this is kind of, um, you know, a growing trend in the industry. I don't know if you've ever been to the Mosaic District in Northern Virginia or been to one of the Angelica theaters. There are a few in the area. And they, too, kind of place a premium on these, you know, um, heightened theater going experience where you can get food and wine and bring it in and it's a sort of fancier night out. And because this is Frederick, I feel obligated to ask, but what are the chances that the cinema will open its own brewery? You know, um, that's a whole different licensing process. Okay. So I would say pretty pretty minimal unless the company kind of goes through a huge change. <laughs> so we're safe from another brewery opening. Yeah, we are safe um, from another brewery opening. But I do have a story about a brewery closing in Frederick, which is kind of related that will be in this uh, week's issue. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if you have heard, but there is a brewery called House Cat, and they're on Sagner Avenue. They're pretty much the next door neighbor to Attaboy. And they announced um, actually recently on social media that their last day was going to be April 15th. And to me, that was really interesting just because I've lived in Frederick for three years now. And, you know, like you said, you made the joke about breweries because we have so many. I think um, I spoke to um, Kevin Addicts with Go and Fortify, and I think it's like 17 breweries in the entire county. At least half a dozen of those are in Frederick alone. And so I had have not heard of a brewery closing or shutting its doors and so I was kind of curious well like is this brewery sort of the first casualty of a market that's becoming oversaturated um, and so I explored that a little bit and you know it, it, it's painful to say because no one wants to root for a small business closing um, but I think that this particular particular brewery had some outside issues um, that were more related to quality control and their ability to kind of run a commercial scale brewery um, so uh, according to a lot of industry experts Frederick has not even peaked when it comes to the craft brew scene um, and there is at least one more coming in the next year so we can expect that trend to continue indefinitely for right now. All right. And since we are kind of on the topic of beverages, that kind of leads us to food. 
So this week, where did we go to eat? <laughs> well, we went to uh, the Old South Mountain Inn, which is in Boonesboro, which is kind of a hop, skip, and a jump right across the Frederick County line. And it's this very beautiful old um, brick building that actually, I think of all the restaurants, you know, I'm kind of doing this series on historic restaurants, and this is definitely the oldest. Um, there are records that uh, date it back to the 1700s. Henry Clay was an early frequenter of the restaurant back when it was a tavern. And according to current owner Chad, Dorsey it's most definitely haunted so um, that's kind of an added fun experience if you're looking for that um, but then otherwise I you know they they do sort of um, like I said a lot of the menu relies on old classics that you see in a lot of restaurants that just don't exist anymore things like crab imperial and other items that you don't really see on on um, more contemporary menus but the food itself was really good and it has a beautiful scenic view and I'd love to see it frequented more because I think it kind of stands out as a special occasion restaurant but it was fun for a weeknight dinner especially with the weather getting warmer. And I'm, I'm very disappointed that you did not mention to me that it was haunted during our meal. You know, I didn't know until I called him later, but otherwise I would have been in there with like one of those Ghostbuster things, like looking for ghosts. <laughs> do you believe ghosts are real, Kate? Yes, I do believe ghosts are real. I think that um, in boarding school, my boarding school was haunted. So. That's terrifying. <laughs> Anything else? Anything else? Um, no, I mean, one other thing that you can look for is I have a pretty extended Q&A with author Christina Enriquez. Um, she's our Frederick Reed's guest for the city this year. And her she's most well known for her 2014 book, uh, The Book of Unknown Americans, which sort of follows um, a variety of immigrants coming to the United States from Mexico and Latin America and sort of their journey and their lives here. Um, we spoke a little bit about how that book, at least, is not very politically motivated. I mean, there's not really... I mean, you could argue that even just including the perspective of, of immigrants is kind of a political statement, but it's not, like she said in the interview, it's not meant to be didactic or heavy-handed. It's not meant to hammer down on Im U.S. immigration policies. But we talked a little bit about whether the book would look different if she had set out to write it under the current administration. So if you are a fan of literature, that is also something to look for. Perfect. Well, Kate, thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. And as always, you can read 72 Hours on Thursday. Frederick Uncut is produced by me, Wyatt Massey. And me, Heather Mangilio. And edited, as always, by Graham Cullen. We'll see you next week.